0: Welcome to the Expanding Consciousness Podcast with your hosts Michael Wally and Nicholas Haag. In this podcast we explore ways to sharpen our awareness, make life more enjoyable, be a little kinder, become more authentic, less reactive, more present and ultimately expand our consciousness. We're happy to have you along for the ride, and if you do enjoy these conversations, please leave a review or a comment as this goes a long way for us. Enough of the promotional talk and enjoy this episode. Welcome to podcast episode number three. Um, For today, we want to talk a little bit about cannabis, um, about our own experience with it, our positive and negative experiences, and particularly about the connection between spirituality and cannabis, which is, I have the feeling, a topic which is not talked about a lot, but there's a lot of potential there, so I'm super curious to hear um, about your experiences and exchange a bit on that. So without further ado, um, I would say let's jump into it, and maybe we start by um, yeah, by going a bit through our own personal experiences. Um, I'm curious to hear like what is your connection with the plant and what has your experience so far been.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Nick. So yeah, I, I have a, a long and, and somewhat uh, sordid history with cannabis. I first tried it out in my mid teens, you know. I'd drive off with a friend, park somewhere and and get high off some some pretty low quality stuff and just sit around and, and laughing a whole bunch, you know, kind of Uh, Fun, fun experiences for sure. Uh, Once I got to college, I started using it uh, a lot more frequently, pretty much daily use. And, you know, that that was at the time, it was a bit of a social thing. Um, Quickly, quickly evolved, or you might even say devolved into just regular use, you know, on on my own, pretty much all the time. Through most of college, I I was smoking a lot. Uh, Honestly, that continued for probably about the next 20 years or so i was i was smoking almost every single day for probably 20 years and mainly it was just to feel good it wasn't like any particular you know a lot of times it would be kind of for for de-stressing you know to to feel good at the end of the day kind of just to to zone out um you know play some video games you know watch some cartoons or something uh, yeah it wasn't very intentional I guess I guess I would say uh, and it, it evolved over time uh, more recently I've, I've actually pretty much stopped I've, I've used a few times uh, more intentionally in, in sort of a spiritual context uh, but that's that's pretty much like the, the general overview of, of my history with it uh, How about how about yourself what's what's your usage looked like over the years
0: well, um, I, I would say I also started in my uh, teenage years to just to experiment, experiment with it because back then it was kind of a cool thing to do and was a fun thing to experiment with. Uh, you know, getting some giggles when when smoking too much. Uh, continued also through college. I would say this was my phase where I had the most intense use, um, but never never on a level where I would smoke during the day. I would say for me it was always a thing to do just in the evening. Um, to relax, but um, I realized that when I was using it daily, it was kind of negatively uh, affecting my habits, and I was screwing up um, some of the courses at university. And once I realized that, I was say, "Okay, I, I don't need this thing right now." So I banned it completely. I then use it occasionally, with um, you know, just in, in social settings, um, parties with friends and stuff. Um I would be interested because you said you used it uh, 20 years. Um what made you stop?
1: Yeah, yeah, really good question. You know, a few times over the years I, I had taken breaks. Um for example, for for a while I I got really into like running and and I had stopped for, well, I don't know, maybe 6 weeks or something and and then picked it up again pretty pretty quickly. Um, and and a few times in there, I, I tried to really intentionally stop. I felt like it was just, you know, preventing me from being able to be as happy as I thought that I might be able to. Like having a hard time just just laughing, you know, which is almost uh, you know paradoxical to to using marijuana. After a while, it seems to kind of numb some of your uh, emotional, some of your emotional life. Right. So uh, more recently, what made me stop was I was going to go to a, a meditation retreat. And it was sort of contraindicated. And I, I just wanted to follow all of the, the guidelines to prepare for it. I didn't end up going to this particular retreat. But I kept, um, I kept off of, of, of smoking for the most part since then. Um, that was actually the easiest time uh, for me to stop. Past, past times I'd, I'd struggled with it a little bit you know there was a lot more withdrawal uh and, and it was just a, a little bit of a struggle honestly uh, but the more recent time that i quit i was able to do it you know pretty easily honestly it, it was a little bit surprising there weren't you know any significant um any significant side effects or anything from from stopping i wasn't losing a lot of sleep i mean my dreams were coming back which which was nice you know smoking all the time i Notice, really, don't remember my dreams for the most part. But but these days, that's that's not an issue. And you know, having having smoked for so long, there was definitely some concerns that it was going to have more long term type effects. I'd say it, it's kind of hard to actually gauge some of those things to some degree, since I had been smoking since my my late teens. You know, I I don't know what sort of uh, mental development I might have uh, messed up or anything but for the most part, I, I feel, you know, pretty capable, you know, I mean, I'm a software engineer and I, and I don't, uh, I don't suffer relative to my peers, you know, I'm able to perform and everything. So I I don't think it's had any significant negative effects. And I would imagine most of the negative effects have pretty much, um, subsided at this point. I mean, it's probably been, you know, I've, I've quit about six to eight months ago with only a a few times in between. So for the most part, I, I think I'm, Pretty clean and clear. Uh, how how does that match up with with your own experience of it?
0: You mean of of quitting?
1: Of, of quitting, and also if you've noticed any significant like negative effects from smoking or anything.
0: So yeah, I had that negative experience that that somehow I was becoming less motivated over time and like lazy. But I, I wouldn't even blame it on the cannabis itself. You know, it might have been just also a phase in my life, and this was just a thing that I was using back then. Um, but what's interesting is that you said um, since you were a software developer and you like you were able to work. Like, honestly, that's the one thing I cannot do. If I smoke cannabis, I, I, you know my logical thinking mind goes out of the window, and programming is really difficult for me when I'm um, when I'm using cannabis. How was it for you? Like were you able to smoke before work and then like be productive at work?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Sometimes I did, you know, don't don't tell any of my bosses. Every once in a while I did. Usually I, I was pretty sober, uh, and would wait till the end of the day. Though in college when I was doing it, I was kind of one of those people that's like I really embraced the idea of study high, take the test high, get high grades. Mm-hmm. And I uh Kind of, kind of proudly, I, I would say, you know, maybe I shouldn't be proud of it, but I took uh my data structures uh final high and and, and did pretty well. You know, I I think I, I aced it. I got I got an A in that class. And um so yeah, I, I didn't find that it totally inhibited me. I think probably a lot of that is due to the fact that I just I was high all the time. Yeah. So I was I was fairly functional, right? I wouldn't smoke to the point where I was Totally gone honestly i I would smoke so much that it it just wouldn't affect me anymore i mean it was it was kind of wasteful at times like i i spent a lot of money on it back in the day
0: yeah well i can imagine if you smoke for 20 years straight you better don't calculate how much money you spent because (laughs) you probably could have bought a car or two from that money um yeah so there was this really uh stereotypical stoner And um, the stereotypical stoner is not very productive. He's not very functional. But I agree. I don't find that to be true. I know many people who are highly functional, who smoke cannabis every day, and they get by just great. They perform well at work. I don't think um, that must be a problem. What, What could be a problem is, over time, the fact that you are maybe dependent on it, just because you use it every day. So, like you said, maybe it doesn't affect you anymore over time. But you actually need maybe that first joint in the morning you know to get back to baseline to feel normal and when that sets in then you are less free and then then maybe you should start or one could start thinking about okay what is my relationship with this plant you know am i getting any benefit from it or is it just something that i need to function normally and when you reach that point then then maybe it's a it's a good time to start thinking about okay could i could I be without cannabis for a while? You know, like you explained, like when you went on the retreat, you noticed, like, yeah, okay, it's no problem. So then you just don't go back to it. Um, but it's probably a good point, um, a good idea to at some point question your, your relationship with cannabis.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that you bring up this topic of dependency. I know there were certainly times that I would have been like dependency. What are you talking about? You yeah. can't be denial dependent on, on marijuana. Right, I, I know for probably a lot of smokers, it is a bit of a hot button topic. Right, it um, tends to be some some denial there, and and you know maybe people don't. Not everyone experiences dependency. You know, I totally don't know. Uh, in my own experience, there definitely was some dependency. I would say, especially in terms of being able to regulate my emotions. Right, like that's I was totally using it as a crutch to not feel anxiety to. Not feel anything that I didn't want to feel, basically to to zone out, and I think you know it, it's really effective for that. But the problem becomes that as you reduce that that kind of emotional fluidity, that emotional range, you're also reducing your capacity to feel other emotions, like positive emotions, right? So for me, that was you know having a hard time having much fun. I mean, I was. I was there, I was doing things, I could be like totally zoned out or something and, and involved, I guess you could say. But things just weren't as fun. I had a hard time laughing at things. I had a hard time crying at things, you know, not not that I'd necessarily want to, but I, I'd say that it really reduces emotional capacity. Mm-hmm. Um what what did you find around that? Was that true for for your experience as well? Oof.
0: That's a tough one. I think it's actually... So it was definitely true for me in my 20s, I would say. Like, just the way I was using it. Because I was using it uh, precisely for that too. um Maybe shut down at the end of the day. Relax. You know, don't think about stuff. Maybe avoid some feelings. Go straight into some specific calm feelings that I'm always able to reproduce with, with cannabis. Just listen to some music. Um, hang out with friends. These kind of things. But I think, or what I what I've learned is that that's actually it. Just depends on the way you use it, what your intention is, what the use, and it doesn't have to be this way. Um, okay, uh, I, I didn't. I can tell you the, the next part of my experience with cannabis over the years. Um, later in life, I think at the end of my twenties, when I when I had some psychedelic experiences, um, especially with uh, ayahuasca, which maybe we can talk about like in a in a different episode. But after that, for some reason, um, cannabis smoking wasn't really the same experience for me. And I actually heard uh, other people speak about this, that this is a thing, that after you take psychedelics, uh, cannabis is not the same anymore. Um, In particular, for me, that meant that every time, like at the time, I had a really good relationship. I wasn't using super frequently, but I had a good relationship with cannabis. And uh, after some psychedelic experiences... I was getting anxious when smoking every time. I was getting like, I was. I would feel a little sick. I would get paranoid. I would, um, well, yeah, maybe maybe everybody who smoked cannabis knows about the paranoia that can come up from, from cannabis. I mean, you probably experienced it at some point, to some degree. But it was just too elevated for me and was not fun anymore. And then I said, okay, I, I don't need to smoke. I mean, this is not making me feel good. Like, why would I do it? So I just tossed it. I I just avoided it. I would still be around with people when they would smoke. I don't have a problem with that, um, but I wouldn't smoke myself. And it wasn't only until um, actually quite recently, like this year, when somebody um, pointed me to, to an interesting thing where um, I had a conversation with a friend and he told me that um, cannabis is actually just amplifying whatever is already there in your experience. Maybe similarly to what psychedelics do. And he was saying that um if you're like particularly anxious or paranoid on cannabis, you know, that might be like a general problem of yours, which is just amplified when mm-hmm. you smoke. And um as soon as he framed it that way, I, I, I become interested in it because I was already interested in, in shadow work, what we talked about like in the last episode. And I was actually looking for tools to um well look at my emotions and unconscious material on purpose. So the idea that I could smoke cannabis and like on purpose increase some anxiety or some negative feelings was actually appealing to me. So I said, okay, then maybe I try again. Like, let me restart this whole relationship with cannabis and let me try again, but let me try this time in a different mode. Let me try to work with it in a similar way like you would work with um, a psychedelic so maybe you you know and i started making kind of a small ceremony out of it which means that for the first time actually also in my life i would smoke alone i think i don't know it never occurred to me before to smoke alone it was just not it was always a social thing for me so i said okay what what will happen when i when i smoke alone and what will happen if i make it um intentionally so Maybe in the same way like somebody would approach a meditation where you, you know you, you sit down, you, you make a thing out of it, you think about your intention before, you think about your dosage, and then you smoke and then you try to, well, reflect uh, or meditate. And this worked incredibly well. Like I was super surprised how well this works. Like it seems that meditation and cannabis together, it's such a good combination that I was really, I was thrilled really to to discover this. And then I also, I, I wanted to see, okay, I cannot be the only person who who has this experiences, right? This plant has been around for like millions of years, maybe longer than humans have. And there's also like a really long recorded history of of cannabis use uh, in, in, in human civilization. I think almost all the cultures were having some relationship with it. Um, so there has to be some stuff out there where people talk about, like, okay, how does how does this work? Like meditation and um, and cannabis, meditation, spirituality, and I gotta say, there's not that much out there. Like if you mm. if you have a look, there's um, Stefan Gray who talked about it uh, or who talks about it. He wrote a book about it, which is actually called Cannabis and Spirituality, which is also a book I um, I do recommend. Um, it has some of, it, like, his own work and also some essays uh, from other people contributing where he goes a bit of the history of spiritual use of cannabis and where he also describes this. He would do the same thing. He would, like, meditate um, with cannabis on a weekly basis. And um, then I also discovered um, that there is some psychotherapy done with, with cannabis, which then after I had my own experiences made complete sense. You can also go uh, a bit into that but um, what is what is your experience with spirituality and cannabis? Have you ever tried to meditate with cannabis?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh boy, you hit so many so many interesting topics here. <clears throat> yeah, I mean certainly since I was, I don't mean, know practiced meditation for for maybe ten years or so, and and since during a lot of that time I was smoking all the time, I, I did certainly use it in conjunction with meditation. And I I found hmm, there, there's sort of this interesting area where it's like, well, am I am I actually meditating? Right? Is, is this actually helping me meditate, or am I really just zoning out? Right? There's, uh, you know, cer- certainly some question around that, and and I would say a lot of it kind of comes down to intention intention intentionality, like why why are you really using it, right? Um, and 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 you're kind of touching on this also with the talk around how it amplifies some of the underlying, uh, un- underlying potentially some of the underlying problems or emotions that you might be going through, very very similar to psychedelics my own experience around that around especially like anxiety was I would use cannabis to try and alleviate anxiety. On a physiological level, initially, it would seem to cause more anxiety, right? It would increase my heart rate, um, you know, potentially becoming paranoid, you know, uh, really just kind of amplifying it. But then there was a certain point where you'd smoke enough where I I might guess that it starts to cause a certain amount of dissociation right where you you've gone past the point of of feeling amped up and and now you're kind of almost in like a freeze mode and it's almost like a a numb kind of like uh warm enjoyable you know enjoyable in the sense of like oh i'm no longer experiencing anxiety so for me uh, i i think i usually took it to the point took it maybe a little bit too far in in that sense in terms of just like over amplifying things to the point where i i then dissociate um, and sometimes dissociation can feel a little bit like meditation. It's like, well, my, my mind is quiet, and I feel really numb to things. Am I meditating? Am I not meditating? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for the most part, uh, I, I would say I, I didn't use it super effectively in terms of meditation. I would use it just a little bit too much to the point where it would take me past, past kind of the sweet area. Um, I, I like that you also hit on this idea of um, potentially using it to, to amplify some of what we're experiencing this is this is kind of getting into more of where I've become interested recently especially around you know the, the first topic that we touched on like somatic experiencing and and kind of amplifying those sensations almost as uh, sort of exposure therapy right so I've come across um, this modality I haven't personally experienced it. I, I just came across it on Reddit, and and it sounded really interesting. So I read um, a number of different protocols around how to use it in this particular therapy. It's called Psychedelic Somatic Interactional Psychotherapy, or PSIP. And it specifically, I think, uses cannabis. And And the idea is you're smoking just a, a small amount so that it really starts to amplify the body sensations and potentially even uh, elicit unintentional movement you know like shaking or uh surfacing of emotions and then at that point really the idea is to stay present with it to the best of your ability like with with a somatic type experiencing like okay what does this feel like feel into the body be with it do your best to to regulate yourself and calm yourself down so that you can start to reprogram your body's response to these more extreme uh, reactions. So I've been interested in it in that sense. I've I've kind of dabbled with it a little bit in that sense and and found it fairly effective. Um you know, I'm kind of getting off off topic of the meditation, you know. I honestly I, I this this does relate back to meditation a bit in a sense because sometimes I I I do see meditation also as a bit of an exposure therapy where essentially you're amplifying your awareness of an underlying discomfort. And then, kind of reprogramming your response to that simply by by sitting with it and not reacting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Um, so, uh, what 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 do you think on this topic? You know, I don't I don't want to take us too far off uh, off off base or or off your question around meditation.
0: Um, I think it's super interesting that you mentioned PSIP. I would love to dive uh, a bit into that, but maybe before. I think it makes sense to divide kind of cannabis use into um, medication and therapy, if you want so. So let's say, or the useful. I mean, Mm. there's also just pleasure and play, right? That we know as well. Sure. But I would say that the the medication use is kind of more broadly known, and this is um, also more popular, for example, for chronic pain, right? You know that it can get prescribed and it helps quite well for chronic pain. It can help with um, what is the medical condition called where people have tremors all the time?
1: Uh, like uh, Parkinson's
0: maybe? Parkinson's, exactly. So, Like strong CBD doses for example are really great at calming the, the nervous system down and like getting rid of the tremor and I would say that all of this goes into the bucket of medication and it's all use where you don't have to work so much with intention. It's just You know, it's reproducible 100% of the time. You have crank pain, you take THC, it just works, it alleviates it. But then there's um, the more therapeutic use where, well, you also need to put some effort in, right? And then it's, it's really just a tool that you can use to kind of work on your own issues. And you could work on your own issues being of psychological nature or being of somatic nature. And um, th- this is maybe where where meditation ties back in. At least, so this is my experience is when you combine um, cannabis and with meditation, um, what happens with meditation? You 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 stop focusing on the thoughts. You go after some time out of your mind of the you know of the stories that play in your mind all the time. Maybe the standard mode that you're in during the day and um, when you combine that with cannabis what happens is you reach the somatic layer so Hmm. i don't know if that's the right word for it but you reach your body you reach body awareness and this is something which maybe cannabis uh, users will be familiar with um kind of a body high right so i mean you know the feeling of um, just feeling great in your body and just being very much in your body more than being sober and when you combine that with, um, with intentional use, what can happen then is now you have really presence and awareness in your body and you can bring up stuff that is stuck in your body and in your nervous system. And this is what we talked about in the first episode, right? Um, that we have this stuff stick to our uh, nervous system from past experiences and we need to, we need to find a modality to, um, let the body get rid of that excess energy by shaking. There is, um, have you heard about uh, TRE traumatic release yeah. experiencing? I think it's uh, a, yeah. yeah,
1: right, right, yeah. Uh, I think is it maybe it's trauma release exercise, yes, yes, I thank think you. is the acronym, kind of-
0: but it's basically, um, Well, it's uh, you trying to um, purposefully start shaking in the body, which then, after some time, becomes autonomic, which then um, empties the nervous system of some excess energy, and this works amazingly. Also, with cannabis, why? Because then you are kind of you reach the um, the somatic layer, right? And the somatic layer is also what these people at PSIP discovered. Um that it works so well at accessing this layer, and that uh, in that sense, it's maybe a better tool even than psychedelics to work with trauma. because you know that we, there's also studies out there um, who try to research um, psilocybin in, in terms of like trauma release, and then there's like a big community of people who are using um, ayahuasca to work on their trauma, maybe uh, underground more. And all of these tools were great, but like when I discovered that that PSIP um, is doing this stuff uh, in the US, I think, and in Canada, I'm not sure, um, it made so much sense for me uh, to me. So there's actually on their website there's videos and recordings of these sessions that they do with people, where you can see like how this works on on patients, which is like uh, super interesting. And um, it just like when I learned about this, it just made click. I was like, yeah, it makes so much sense that this is actually this is such a good tool to work with um to work with trauma and to work with the body and this stuff is already legal in many places and is going to be legalized in more places over the coming years right we have that uh, I, so i think from the potency level it's as good as maybe mdma for working with trauma but This stuff is already legal. You don't need to legalize it. You know what MAPS is doing right now to try to uh, bring also an EMA to uh, to legalization just for therapy of trauma. This works with stuff that is already legal and that people have experience with and that it's already broadly accepted, I would say, um, in society. Um, Yeah, now I rambled a bit about PSIP and the somatic layer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No, it's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, around like, uh, I I totally agree that it is so much more accessible than than psychedelics right now. It's interesting. When I first got into psychedelics, I, I really wanted to use it for some of these things that now I'm understanding I could have been using cannabis for. I was using cannabis to, to kind of dissociate. I was using cannabis to, you know, avoid my feelings, but I could have been using it to, to go deeper. And that's really why I, I found myself, you know, going after psychedelics is because I wanted to work, you know, work on my trauma. I wanted to work on that hidden stuff and I didn't know how to access it. Right. Also, like that, you bring up the the shaking. You know, this is this is something that uh, I'm familiar with through uh, Peter Levine, right? He's he's the Somatic Experiencing guy, right? And the way that he puts it is that animals uh, it, do this naturally, right? Like if they're in an intense situation and they get out of it and they have excess energy, then they'll just shake, right? They'll just sit down and their whole body will shake and and it'll release all the energy, and so it doesn't get get stored in the body. You know, I, I, I think my, my understanding or, or my guess is that it's it's really getting stored in the muscles, right, mm-hmm. as like tension. And then we're, we just kind of lose awareness of it, right? And so something like cannabis can help bring it back into our awareness. Uh, in some of my early psychedelic experiences and, and still today, uh, when I, whenever I do psychedelics I usually experience some amount of involuntary shaking and I kind of just let it do its own thing right it, it, afterwards it kind of feels like I had a really good body work or something I you know is the body giving itself a massage or something right um and cannabis yeah it, it does do the same thing at at the right dosage right I think dosage is really important in this case um, in my experience it's very easy to overdo, cannabis, especially since it's become legalized. And I mean, the potency is just like incredible these days. I mean, it's when I first started uh, using cannabis, it, it wasn't legal and it wasn't as accessible. I mean, you could still get really good stuff, you know, you'd be getting it through a, a friend of a friend or, or whatever, somebody who's growing clandestinely somewhere, you know, who knows where, right. Um, and you could still get pretty good stuff, but these days, walking into a shop, I mean, you get, uh, extremely high, high potent stuff, especially people doing like the, the extracts in particular are just like, I mean, it's just too much, honestly, at least in my experience, right? To, to use it in a, a therapeutic way, it does not take very much, right? Like pretty small dosages. Seem to be pretty effective. They start getting you into the body. They start giving you access to, like you were saying, that somatic layer, and they start eliciting, you know, potentially. Emotional experiences as, as well as, you know, body experiences like your body shaking or, or involuntary muscle movements, right? And, and those are actually potentially really, really beneficial if you're able to just allow it to happen, allow the body to kind of unwind and, and do what it needs to do mm-hmm. to release some of that, that excess, that trapped energy. Just be really beneficial. Um, yeah, I, even just talking about it makes me, uh, you know, interested in experimenting a little bit more with it. Now I, I haven't done a ton of experimenting myself,
0: yeah. And uh, so, what we talked about the PSIP is it, it works kind of in a relational way, right? There needs to be a therapist present that works with you so that you can fully relax, and kind of the therapist is there to work to walk you through some maybe traumatic, um. Memories and stuff, but I feel that um, it can very well be done also solo. Maybe you know it, it wouldn't work in the same way like with PSIP, but I think um, there's there's much potential for people to also work with it on a on a solo basis, like without a therapist. And anyways, people are smoking out there all day, every day. Some people, uh, why not? Why not bring forward some kind of framework where how people could work themselves and start looking, start working in it in a spiritual way. And by spiritual, I mean um, when when you smoke it, treating it like, okay, this is the the spirit of cannabis, you know, or the energy or whatever you want to call it. And I'm gonna work with this now. I think this is what yeah. I what I mean by by spiritual. And um okay so if we are offering that there's a possibility that you can work with cannabis on a one-on-one level let's say um let's talk about maybe also like strains and dosages what is your experience with um sativa versus indica mm-hmm. yeah Uh
1: um, generally i've i've uh move towards the sativa side of things just in terms of like personal preference uh overall my experience i mean like like most people i I notice indica tends to be a little bit more on on the body side and and sativa tends to be a little bit more on the the cerebral side the mental side and I've, i've just found you know i i've found a number of strains that i just personally really like a blue blue dream in particular has always been one of my favorites uh just just for the effects in general um as far as like from a therapeutic level i, I probably can't speak to that very well i I'd, I'd be curious uh what what your thoughts are on that
0: it's a tough you know, one. sativa
1: versus indica
0: um so my for me personally uh, when i when i use it kind of ceremonially i would go for sativa because um it is more energizing and i generally have the problem with indicas that i Tend to fall asleep or relax so much that it's that it's more like okay. dissociation. Um, so then it's like less useful. But I've also read um, uh, posts online of people who are saying that um, if you want a really psychedelic um, blend, let's say the the best thing to do would be um, to combine different strains, and the the idea. Is there is that you kind of get the positive effects of like both strains or of even like multiple strains combined, and that this actually makes the strain even more psychedelic in a sense. Um, mm. So this is something I'm experimenting with. Like instead of just smoking like a singular strain, I'm trying to like mix two of them and then like see okay how does that work um, in a different way. Um, but it is a very complex field. And, you know, we're just at the beginning of understanding cannabis properly because there's there's so many cannabinoids in there. And then what they realized recently is that it's not only relevant what is the cannabinoids, but it's also what is the terpene profile. And yeah. then, I don't know, you can also go into... Um, so there's this thing called the entourage effect. Have you heard about that?
1: Sounds vaguely familiar. I don't think I could speak to it very well. What What is
0: it? Um, when CBD was popularized a couple uh, years back, then you had these um, CBD, let's say, distillates or isolates, where it was really just a pure compound. And then there was the strains where it was just like a cannabis strain, where CBD would be the dominant um, cannabinoid. But the other ones would still mm-hmm. be present, but just in a very low dose. And then people would claim that this is what they call the entourage effect. That if the other ones are present, not very strong, it makes the CBD much more stronger. And I think the same applies also for THC, right? Um, but on the other hand, also there's companies who now try to isolate that you can have like pure um, THC distillate. Then there's um, in Germany, for example, at the moment it's popular to buy um, artificially produced cannabinoids like HHC, THCV, THCP just because they are not on um, on the blacklist of drugs that are illegal at the moment. So you can still buy them until the state yeah. catches up and illegalizes them a couple of months later, and then new cannabinoid comes out. So there's a lot of uh, artificially produced cannabinoids on the market, which are not researched very well, actually. But people smoke it because they have a similar effect to to THC, and it's legal, so they can get it. So it's better to maybe buy it off the street. Um it can also, I think, um, have um, a harmful effect if you if you um, you know try these artificially produced um, variants of, of cannabinoids. And also, what I'm learning is that the growing conditions seem to influence like the quality of the mm. cannabis. So it's you know yeah. it's so much to learn about it. I'm at the yeah. beginning still
1: right right yeah we we can go on so many different tangents here uh to bring us back to this idea of of intentional use uh what what dosage i mean for for me i've i've found like if i want to use it in an intentional way just like a one or two hits you know fairly small hits even are more than enough to to really put me into that space uh what what have you found
0: um i would say the more focus you put into the experience or the more tension, let's say, like in meditation, then you would just need a little dose. Yeah. But um, so it's uh, how to explain. So it's kind of on the on the low dose end. You are uh, you can work very much um, with thoughts and the and the mental sphere. And at higher doses, it's more about feeling anything that uh, is mm. beyond uh, the mind, anything that is um, almost transpersonal non-dual you you know you can almost enter into into this non-dual space of of just feeling um i don't know terence mckenna recommends just smoke so much that you think that you overdone yourself and then you're at the right point there's different recommendations but i think whatever you feel comfortable with to to start with
1: yeah yeah that totally makes sense and and i think one of the other important aspects of, of using it like for spiritual purposes is really using it with intentionality, right? Really setting aside a certain container, setting aside certain time, you know, uh, going into it with a specific intention, like why am I using it? You know, what what am I going to do during this time? I think are also some of the other, the other ways to make effective intentional use, right? Um, can you think of any other any other aspects? Any other particular practices that really help contribute to, you know, positive intentional use?
0: Um, well, um, ceremony for me. So when mm. I say ceremony, I, I mean that you think about okay, how how does the experience start? How does it end? And this could be that you prepare your space. You maybe have a nice cozy space in a similar way that you like you would do with yoga or a meditation. That uh, whatever it is, some people like to use um, incense. To, to create a sense and uh, just have an intentional beginning but also an intentional end that you don't you know just drift off and do it like for hours and hours. But you just say, okay, f- now I'm starting to get sober and now I'm closing the experience. And then the next time you're going to work uh, again um, intentionally. And I think this ceremoniality, if that's even a word, that brings also some more intention to it And um, other than that, I guess what what would be nice to mention to people is the whole set and setting idea that you would recommend to people who use um, psychedelics. Um, Make sure that your mindset is also a good one, that you feel relaxed and well enough to go into an experience which potentially might be challenging because potentially it might bring up stuff that you have suppressed for a while. All these things can happen. So, yeah make sure that you're in a good mindset that you are in a surrounding where you can relax, where you, you know, don't do it probably at a festival or something it's, it's not a good point to do it intentionally or ceremonially. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, have a, have a comfortable space I would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. And it makes sense that you could really a- apply so many of the principles that you use for set and setting, setting for psychedelic experiences, for for cannabis experiences, once you are actually like in the experience, what what do you do at that point? Mm-hmm. Like so emotions are coming up, um, you know, maybe weird body movements are coming up or something. What what's the what's the protocol at that point? What's the approach, you know, in your experience?
0: Um, try not to judge. Try to observe and try to allow. Try. Not to block, pretty much anything that uh, people recommend for meditation applies here. I would say so. Yeah. If you, ex- that's actually a good thing. If you experience meditator, um, this stuff is so much easier. But that's not to say that other people cannot also do this. I mean, I think this is a skill you can learn. But basically, just allow to whatever wants to come up, come up, and be know that um, it will also go away, right? So whatever comes up is not there to stay. And um, if, if you do that and if you get some practice in with that, the cool thing is some of the stuff will come up if you're really fully allowed, invited into your body or into experience or whatever. You know, um, that's sometimes all these suppressed experiences want and then it might leave you forever in the sense that, you know, it will leave your body and it will not... Um, cost you energy anymore to to be suppressed like similarly to what we talked about in the last episode with shadow work right it's it's kind of a similar thing happening but yeah um, basically you could read a manual for uh, meditation and you know it would apply to working with cannabis if you ask me
1: yeah, yeah, I really like that idea. I'd, I'd also throw in there um, any other approaches that you might use in in somatic experiencing, where you're you're basically, I mean, it's the same thing essentially, where you're you're paying attention to it, you're allowing it to happen, very similar to you know the protocol for for TRE that, that you mentioned earlier, where basically you're just allowing it to happen and you're just sort of witnessing it, allowing the body to do whatever it needs to do to release exactly.
0: And ideally, if you um, allow, then um, ideally what what will happen at the end of such a session is that you will come kind of, you will be very um, calm and centered. And I think this is a good kind of a a guiding point that this is how you should feel when you you, um, finish a a session, let's say. Um, You will be very calm. You'll be very, you'll feel regulated. Um, That doesn't mean that the next time you know, you, you um, go on a journey, there might be more stuff coming up, but usually it ends up with a calm and relaxed state, which is, or which for me at least, uh, is not the default always. So it's it's very nice experience to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, so, what what are some things to, that you do to, to kind of ground yourself after one of these experiences? Say say that it leaves you not feeling calm or something. What what can people do?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I guess people have their preferences. My preferences, then i um, then I would need to meditate. Um, any kind of, um, uh, I mean, I do cold showers. Is maybe a bit counterintuitive. Maybe it's not grounding for people. For me personally, it is. So it, it helps me like discharge maybe excess energy. Um, breath work helps big time to clear out stuff uh, from from the body. Um I don't know can you also give some of um, your recommendations for grounding?
1: Yeah yeah so we talked about a few things in in the first episode but uh even things like just eating you know uh, you know, pref- preferably something a little bit lighter and, and healthier it can be very, very grounding, right? Maybe you go outside into nature, sit in the grass and and just chill out, you know, maybe listen to some music that can be fairly grounding for people. Um, feeling into the body, you know, safe, safe places in the body, just noticing, you know, feeling of the couch or wherever you might be sitting, you know, that that can also be very grounding. You could Take a, a warm bath if you don't like cold showers or something, right? That could potentially help as well. Um, yeah, just treating yourself well, I, I think, is is important. And that kind of brings us to this idea of integration, which I, I think you know, obviously, a, a term typically used in in the psychedelic sphere, but I think it certainly applies here. Applies to meditation as well, arguably. Um, what are there any particular tactics that you use to integrate one of these experiences afterwards, like journaling? I know we hit on some of this with the shadow work talk. Um, what what do you do?
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's uh, maybe one thing to have. Uh, that's very useful to have ready when you uh, embark on such a session. Maybe have a notebook, pen and paper there, and write down stuff, and then. You know, it's it's uh, the next time it's actually interesting to read it for me because it's a little bit like dream journaling, where you know maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you like note down quickly whatever you you saw in the dream, and then the next day you go through it and you're like, okay, what the hell was that? Like it doesn't make so much sense, and it can be similar with <laughs> with journaling uh, during these sessions, where the next day you check the notes, but um, it's actually good because it will take you back to some. Of the uh, insights that you gained during the session, that's that's actually a big thing. What happens uh, for me when I um, when I when I do when I use cannabis in this way, I, I a lot of the times have really insights, like insights either about myself, about my life, mm-hmm. about life in general, and that feel um, very important, at least in that moment, uh, to me. And this is really cool if you can note them down, and then the next day, you know, you can just read through and um, yeah, try to reflect on them from a sober perspective that's really interesting
1: yeah yeah i I really like that you hit on that idea of reflecting on it from a sober perspective i think that it's really valuable to revisit the lessons that you learn from from different states of mind right And, and i would even say potentially you know i mean maybe the next morning in the morning you tend to you know, slightly different state than you are at, at different points throughout the day. So maybe you revisit it in the morning, maybe you revisit it, you know, midday or in the evening, you know, revisit it from different states that you get into later. And I think that, that can really help you see it from different angles and, and help you integrate those lessons, right? Uh and, and help you help deepen the insights
0: even, I'd say. Exactly. Um what else could we touch on? Um, I Somehow, we, we didn't uh, reach it yet, but I would really like to shout out um, Ryan Sprague. Have you heard about him?
1: No, I haven't. Who, who is um,
0: it? Uh, he's uh, from the US, and he's working with cannabis. I think he's working in the cannabis industry, and um, he has a blog called Highly Optimized, and in general, he's pushing forward the idea of conscious cannabis use, which maybe, maybe is not directly in the alleyway what we were talking about when we say like spirituality, but he advocates a lot for a healthy relationship with cannabis. You know, he's trying to break the stereotype stoner, what we talked about in the beginning of being yeah. like super unproductive and so on, because this guy is really super productive. And um, he also has a podcast and uh, he also does. Uh, breathwork sessions in combination with cannabis, like I did this um, with him and Chris August and Aaron Epke like one month ago, and this was super crazy. Mm-hmm. Where so they invite you to smoke before. It was a remote session. There's also some live ones, uh, I think in in Texas uh, these days. But anyways, you smoke cannabis and then there's a guided breathwork session, which is a bit like let's say Wim Hof breathing, but maybe a bit extended. Mm-hmm. Uh, And it's a super, super crazy experience, especially when you do it kind of in a group thing and then there's a sharing at the end. And it was just really nice to see that there's people in the cannabis industry who are not only about profit or in the medication alley, but who understand or who seem to understand this stuff what we talked about today. So I do recommend people um, check him out, check out Highly Optimized and generally his content about conscious cannabis.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I I would definitely say that conscious cannabis uses intersects with what we're talking about today in in terms of intentional use. I'd I'd say those two things are really synonymous. So, yeah, it's really cool to hear that that there are people out there really looking at it from that perspective. It does, you know, I mean, the industry (laughs) in the United States has really exploded since it's legalized right and so much of it does seem very commercial these days so it's it's refreshing to hear that there's uh you know people people using it in a more consciously uh productive and, and arguably spiritual way
0: yeah i i heard that uh, you have a crazy industry in the in the US i'm super excited to be honest uh, because supposedly next year it's going to be legal over here um in the beginning it will be in a non-commercial way so that you can um that people will not be able to profit off of it but it will be the first time that you can get like regulated, um, well, cannabis, right? Controlled cannabis that you know it's not sprayed with anything, you know, uh, that it's not produced in in some criminal uh, environment. And I'm I'm super excited to see how it will develop over here. Um, yeah, let's see where this goes next year.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And and just so folks know, by by over here, you're talking about uh, Germany,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, in there, there's the the law has been um, is not passed, but right now uh, the conditions of the law are being discussed. And supposedly, it was uh, uh, it was going to start at, in January. I think it's going to be postponed, maybe by a couple of months. But early next year, we expect um, in Germany for it to be decriminalized and also to be able to buy up to, I think it was, they're still discussing it, between 25 and 50 gram uh, a month, and to be able to hold two plants or grow two plants uh, in your home. So, yeah, then maybe I'm going to ask you for some advice on, on growing to get that 10-feet plant in my in my house. <laughs> cool, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sounds really exciting. I, I know when cannabis first started getting decriminalized and, and legalized in, in the United States, so it was, was kind of exciting. You know, uh, people are getting their their medical cards because that was initially the, the way that you could access it. Um, and yeah, yeah, what a time to be alive.
0: <laughs> exactly. Didn't see that coming like 15 years ago when, when I started smoking.
1: Great, right, great. Right. Cool. Well, that's probably a, a good place to, to end the episode. Thanks so much for talking about this. It was an enjoyable topic today.